Good morning, Pathway Church. We're delighted to see you this morning, even though uh, I can't really see you, but I can imagine what you look like. And I hope that you're experiencing God's amazing peace and His joy in these uncertain times. I had an unexpected blessing this morning. I was coming out of the office, and this lady was coming in with some clothes, some food for the uh, food pantry. And she had an envelope that she handed me, and her name is Manise. She's from Haiti. And she goes, oh, pastor, how long before we start having services again? And I said, well, we, we hope it will be soon. But in the meantime, we want to be faithful. She goes, oh, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. But I just want you to know I miss you all. So from Manise, we miss her too. And we miss all of you. But we are so thankful for this medium that we have today that we can share with each other and proclaim God's Word and worship together, and I'm very thankful for that. We're in this series of defining moments, those moments, those kairos moments, those opportune times, when we make decisions that will either help us live God's dream for our lives, or will lead us down a path of mediocrity and fear. So I hope this morning that you are listening to God's dream. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you know what God's dream is for your life? Are you living that dream? And if you're not, what is it that's holding you back? My guess is one of the main things that keeps us from living out God's dream in our lives is fear. And let's face it, there's, there's a lot of things to be afraid of right now. Who would have dreamed that there would be millions of Americans unemployed? Or that restaurants would not let you come in and sit down and eat a meal. Or that there would be hundreds of thousands of people infected with this mysterious virus. Or that tens of thousands would die. Or that it would affect mainly the older people. And then I realized I am one of those older people. You know, and there's, a, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. But go back to what I said earlier. One of the big deterrents to living God's dream is fear. So one of the key obstacles we have to overcome is our fear. And I once asked a Wednesday night crowd, and that's usually an older crowd. Uh, I said, tell me the things you're afraid of. And this is a people that have been coming to church for decades and have probably read the Bible a dozen times, but they had a, quite a list of fears. Afraid of heights, afraid of failure, afraid of losing mobility, afraid of losing a life's partner, afraid of losing their ability to think, afraid of being alone, afraid of having to depend on others to take care of us. And the list went on, and I thought, wow, we've got some fearful people among all these saints. And then it matched up really well with a New York Journal uh, survey that was done that listed the fears of folks. And their fears matched up pretty well. What was surprising in that journal was that the third fear, most serious fear, was death. The first was failure. And the second was loneliness. So what are you afraid of? Fear is really a, a what-if game. What if something bad happens to my kids? Or what if my house catches on fire? Or what if I lose my job? Or what happens if someone I love gets cancer? Or what happens 
if I love and get hurt again? What if I'm a terrible parent? Maybe I shouldn't have kids. One of our boys and his wife came to us and they were talking. They just gotten a dog. And they said, if the dog lives, we may have a baby next year. You know, I guess that's one way of doing it. Is your fear of failure holding you back from living the dream that God has for you? The Bible teaches us the most dangerous thing you can do is to always play it safe. Remember the story in Matthew 25, starting with verse 14? A rich man gave bags of gold. In the, in the King James, it says talents, but in the NIV, it says bags of gold. Five bags, two bags, and one bag. And then he went off when he came back and he asked for an accounting of what they had done with the money. He came to the one who had received the one bag and he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. So I was afraid. Circle that word. I was afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, did the master praise his action? No, he's a businessman. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Then he took the money away and gave it to the servant who had risked his money and who had increased his gold and multiplied it. What was the motivation of the unfaithful servant? It was fear. He was afraid. He hedged his bet. He thought, I could lose everything. Lots of Christ followers give in to that same emotion of fear. There was a study done a few years ago, a scientific study, and it involved a large room with a pole in the middle of the room. Halfway up the pole was a large stalk of bananas. And they brought four hungry monkeys into that room. And the monkeys immediately made a mad dash for the bananas. And as they dashed for the bananas, they were sprayed with ice cold water. So they retreated, made another charge, ice cold water. They retreated, made another charge, ice cold water. And after several failed attempts, they decided it was futile to try to get to the bananas. So they went cowering in the corner. The next day, they took out one of the original monkeys, brought in a new monkey who had not been doused with ice cold water. He charged the bananas, but the other three monkeys stopped him. And he tried again, and they stopped him. And he tried again, and they stopped him. And finally, he gave up and took their fatalistic attitude and went and cowered in the corner. This happened every day for five days. On the fifth day, there were four monkeys who had never been sprayed with cold water. And they still, every time a monkey was introduced, they would stop it from going after the bananas, even though they weren't sure why they were not going after the bananas. Guess what? That doesn't just happen to monkeys. A few years ago, I was in Costa Rica on a missions trip. And uh, we, I think after we're going to Honduras that Costa Rica would be a piece of cake because it, you know, it's much more of a tourist area. But where we went was way up in the mountains and the churches that we visited were very, very poor. Uh, 80% single moms. Uh, the husbands would, or, or their partners would leave, leave them with the children. And so it was mainly single moms in these churches. And we did ministry there. It was a really powerful week. And the end of the week, we're going to have like a, a, a day off 
to experience Costa Rica. And our student ministry pastor had signed us up for zip lining. Now, I had never gone zip lining. And uh, Josh had gone many times. And when they're passing out the equipment, because I'm left-handed, they gave me a left-handed glove to hold on to the cable. But it was really a bad-looking glove. They don't have very many left-handed people. And as I'm putting on the harness, Josh says, this is the worst equipment I've ever seen. It looks pretty shaky. Well, that's just what I needed to hear, you know. So I'm thinking, well, we're going to start out about 20 feet up. No, we start at the top of the forest, 80 feet in the air, uh, or maybe 90 feet in the air, over top of these trees. And I'm about to decide this isn't a good idea. I'm not going to do it. But then they push me, and I'm zipping down. And I was too scared to even scream. You know, I, I was petrified. And this whole time, I'm zipping through the forests, the rainforests of Costa Rica, over incredible terrain and beautiful sights that you would never see. I'm just looking to see if that cable and that little piece of leather is going to hold up. And finally, at the very end, I, I happened to look down and, and see the beauty that I was missing. People often abandon their dreams and fail to see what God is about and the beauty of what he's doing because we're fearful and we're afraid. Well, guess what? That's not God's action plan for our lives. In fact, you cannot please God by being complacent and safe and comfortable. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is always risky. It always involves fear. In other words, you may decide that you're going to avoid risk at all costs. Uh, you're going to live a good life. You're going to go to church, but you're not going to do anything crazy like, you know, go on a missions trip or, or witness to your neighbor or, or tithe your income. According to Hebrews, you can't play it safe and please God. I would venture to say that some of you have some very good reasons why you can't take a risk. Well, at this point in my life, if you were my age, you would understand. Given my health, if you knew my family situation, in light of the age of my children, in light of my financial condition, the reasons why we can't afford to risk are infinite. Now, the big question is, how can we possibly please God? Faith is a risk. Faith expands our soul. Fear shrinks our soul. What's the opposite of faith? Well, one correct biblical answer would be love, but uh, opposite of fear would be love. But the word I want us to look at this morning, which is the opposite of fear, is courage. Courage is one of those essential, essential defining moments in living God's dream for your life. We've been looking at the life of Joshua, and if you remember, Joshua has been following around his mentor, Moses, and Moses has been leading the people for 40 years. He led them through the sea and out of Egypt and out of slavery. And now Moses is dead, and God has promised in Joshua 1.5 that just as he had been with Moses, he's going to be with Joshua. And the next words that we hear are the defining moments words in verse 6 of Joshua 1. Be strong 
and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Now, Joshua had a problem. He had to get the people from point A, the desert, to point B, the promised land. How do you, how do you move people that way? Well, that's always what happens when we follow God's plan. We have to go from point A to point B, the place where He's taking us. And that journey from point A to point B will always require courage. Why? Because there will be always obstacles in our way. There will always be days that we're tempted to take the easiest path rather than the risky path. Because... There will be days that we don't know exactly what tomorrow brings, and we're not exactly sure what God's promised land looks like in our lives. And because most people we know adopt the position, we'll let you go first, and if you make it, then maybe we will follow. If you die, then we're not going. Whenever you decide to step out in a relationship or a career or financially, or spiritually, you can count on this. Fear will camp outside your door and will sometimes rest on your shoulder. Courage is always a choice that we make. Joshua 1, 6-9 tells us three different times. Be strong and courageous. If you decide that courage is just an emotion like fear, then it's almost impossible to do the things that God wants us to do. But But fear is a feeling. It is an emotion. Courage is a choice. It's an attitude that we take. In other words, Joshua chooses to be courageous. You can't choose to be tall. You can't choose to be smart. Those things are beyond your control. But courage is a choice that you make and that I make. Courage is doing the things we're afraid to do. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather believing that what we've been called to do is more important than the fears that we have. In this age of COVID-19, our first responders have to act in courage. They're afraid. They could get this virus. They could die. They could give it to their family. But they make a courageous choice because they believe It's what they've been called to do. God has told Joshua that he will never leave him or forsake him. And he's told you and he's told me the same thing. But how do we know that's true? We can only know that's true when we step out in faith to find out. Our son Jeff always wanted to go into business. When he was in high school, he decided he wanted to be a finance major in college. He went to Anderson University, majored in finance, When he got out, he interviewed with several brokerage firms, but he decided to go and and work with State Farm Insurance. He'd been with them for about a year, and there was a young couple in our church, a dentist named Dave and his wife, Marty, who felt called to become missionaries in Honduras. So they, they sold their practice, sold their house, sold all their furnishings, and were moving to Honduras. They still needed $5,000 to make this move. And Jeff got a tax return of $1,100. Now, if you're 21 years old and you've never made much money and you get a check for $1,100, that's a big deal. Jeff gave the entire $1,100 to Dave and Marty. 
It was a courageous thing to do. A year later, he left the career he thought he was supposed to do, finance, and decided that God was calling him to ministry. So he went into debt to go to graduate school and seminary. Ten years later, he felt God was calling him to a new kind of ministry. So he left the church and became a Navy chaplain, moved his family from Kentucky to San Diego, California. It was a courageous choice for all of them. You can develop and nurture courage in your life. That's important to know. You can develop and nurture courage in your life. How do you become more courageous? Well, it starts by following courageous people. Joshua was watching Moses and following Moses. Now, Moses didn't start out courageous. You remember? God calls Moses and says, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and talk to him. And Moses goes, I can't even talk. I stutter like crazy. How am I going to go to Pharaoh? But courageously, Moses did go and he led his people for 40 years. Joshua had observed how God used Moses and it gave him courage. We need to find some courageous Christ followers and listen to their example. I love this scripture in Hebrews, and I'll be honest, I'd missed this for many years. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. If you want to be a courageous Christ follower, find some courageous people. Find some monkeys that are willing to go after the bananas and not cower in the corner. Be strong and courageous. Immerse yourself in God's Word. Listen to it as a source of strength and wisdom and courage. There are so many examples in God's Word of people who shouldn't be courageous, who were courageous and acted on God's behalf. And let that encouragement move you past your fear. Listen to verse 9 of Joshua 1. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Boy, two dream killers are fear and discouragement. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Whatever you face, you're not facing it alone. When you've surrendered your heart to Christ and allowed him to come into your life, you get his presence wherever you go. There's another great courage story found in Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. Jesus' disciples are going across the lake to the other side, and a storm comes. Storms always come, and they're scared. I'd read that story a hundred times until I experienced that story and realized the real terror that they had. I was in Honduras with a group of 20 people from my church, and we had worked hard all week, and our last day was a pleasure deal. And we were going to go to this little island that, that had monkeys and all kinds of cool stuff. And it was about a mile off the coast of Honduras. And we are going in boats. Well, I'm thinking boats, you know, big boats. No, little wooden boats, two of them, 10 people in each boat. And when we got in, there's only about six inches of the boat above the water line. And we're going out in the ocean. But it was calm, and we went out, and it was okay. 
It's kind of a disastrous day. We got in fire ants and mosquitoes the size of birds. But other than that, the fish were great, the food that they cooked. But a storm started coming. And I'm thinking about what it was like going out in calm water. What's it going to be like going back in, in bad water and in choppy water? So we're all in these little boats and the water's coming over the side and we've got our little cups throwing the water out and I'm calculating, can I swim to the shore? It's about a mile away. It was terrifying. And I realized that's how it was for the disciples that day. And then they see Jesus. And that was even more terrifying because he's walking on water. And they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says what? Take courage. It is I. Then Peter speaks up out of his terror and says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus' response to him was very simple. Come. Maybe he's saying that to you today. Come. Follow me. Come courageously follow me. Come allow me to guide your life. Come let me lead you out of comfort into the place I want you to go. Come trust me. The next line in Scripture says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, we usually focus on the fact that he took his eyes off Jesus and he sunk. No, he's also the only guy besides Jesus that walked on water. The only way we discover God's trustworthiness and his courageous life that he calls us to live is to make a decision to follow him, to trust him with our lives, and with our dreams. What are you afraid of? Tomorrow, today, yesterday, the unknown, the known? One of my favorite preachers and preacher wives is Rick and Kay Warren. Uh, Rick Warren wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life, which is the largest bestseller besides the Bible. Uh, Rick made a pretty courageous decision after that book became so popular. He became a multimillionaire. And he and Kay decided they would give away 91% of their income and live on 9%. You say, well, it's still a pretty good life, but how many people give away 91% of their income? And Kay became highly involved in a mission to Africa. AIDS is a horrible problem in the country of Africa, especially in Kenya. There are 1 million AIDS orphans in Kenya. We think of it as a homosexual disease, but moms and dads both die of AIDS. And there are a million kids roaming the streets. And Kay began to recruit folks to go there. And, and uh, a friend of mine adopted two of those orphan children. But in the midst of her sacrifice and as she's pouring out her heart in Africa, a storm comes, an unexpected storm she discovers she has a lump in her breast and she hears the words that every woman fears, it's breast cancer. And she was kind of angry at God. God, wasn't it enough that I'm giving my life away and serving these people in Africa? What do you want from me? But in the midst of the storm, Kay held on to the bedrock belief in her system that God is good. It's that belief that she bases everything on. And she writes, being convinced of that truth, I run to him in my pain, not away from him. She chose courage in the face of fear. Listen to her words. 
While I cannot control how long I live, I can control how I live. I've determined to live my life not looking over my shoulder to see if cancer is catching up with me, but looking forward to each day that I receive. At the same time, all of my illusions and guarantees of a long life are gone. There's a sense of urgency in everything I do. Knowing life's fragility causes me to be more intentional, more passionate, more convinced of the sweetness of every moment, and more convicted about the fact that I'm here for a reason. And I don't want to waste a precious second of the time I've been given. That's in her book, Dangerous Surrender. Fear is our natural response to circumstances in life. But courage is God's antidote to our fear. Courage isn't optional for Christ followers. Those who want to know the fullness of God in their lives, courage isn't automatic. It's a choice that we make. God is calling us from point A to point B, from the desert to the promised land. When I was pastor in Lexington, I've been there for a couple of years, and this older gentleman came into my office. His name was Frank Morgan. Frank was probably 71, 72 at the time. He sat down at the desk opposite me, and he goes, I'm pretty upset with you. Well, that's not exactly what you want to hear when you're a pastor, especially when he's a former chairman of the board and been on the search committee and had been on every committee that, in the life of that church for years. Very important person. I'm thinking, how have I ticked Frank off? He goes, I listen to you preach and you talk about that God wants to use us as servants and places that he wants us to serve. And I'm 72 years old. I'm retired. What am I supposed to do? What can I do? I just feel guilty. Well, fortunately, I, I had a thought and I happen to believe it was a thought that came from the Lord. I said, Frank, we have so many people in this church that are in nursing homes, that are in assisted livings, that are shut-ins. And, and I can't give them my time. I'm so busy. I, I can't do justice in seeing them as often as I should. And they, they need to hear from folks. They need to know that they're loved. And he sat there and he goes, I can do that. For the next 21 years. Now, remember, he was 72 when he started. For the next 21 years, Frank Morgan poured out his heart to hundreds of people, not just elderly people. I would go visit folks in the hospital. I'd go visit young families. Frank's been here. Frank was here to see me. He gave his life courageously for the Lord, and he said it was the most fulfilling time in his life. He was so grateful that someone asked him to be courageous. Do you have what it takes to please God? If you do, it's going to take faith, and it's going to take courage. And I would ask you to, to take that first courageous step. It's not only a choice, it, it's the right choice. Don't waste another precious second of the precious time that God has given you. Live your life courageously for Him. Do you believe that God has called you to be courageous? Now, you've got to balance that with Ephesians 5.15, which tells us don't act foolishly. I'm not telling you to run out and start hugging people and shaking hands in the light of the COVID-19 virus. 
But I am telling you that in light of the COVID-19 virus, God has special opportunities he's giving to all of us right now to live courageously, to bless people, to find those who are hurting and to meet their needs, to pour out our hearts. In just a moment, the praise team is going to sing. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's courageous, that first step of courage. Right where you are, at your kitchen table, in your living room, by your couch, to kneel down and say, God, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to be that courageous follower of you. And you say, well, pastor, I can't kneel. Okay, well, bow your heart and say, God, I want to live every precious moment you give me with courage to be the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. And guess what? Wherever you go, I don't know where that'll take you. I don't know what that'll mean for you, but wherever you go, he'll go with you. His presence will cover you with His love. Let's pray. Father, this morning, you've asked us to be strong and courageous. And it's a fearful time. There's a lot of crazy things going on in our world. And we're not quite sure what's next. But we do know that the next thing is to follow you courageously. So Lord, we're not, we're not sure what that leads, what that means. But this morning, we just want to say to you, we surrender our lives, our fears, and we offer you, encourage everything that we have. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's respond.
us to replace fear with courage, your courage. Replace anxiety with your presence. Replace worry with peace. God, we give all of our fears to you. And we will not be dismayed. And we will not be discouraged. Because we know who you are. And what you're in the business of doing. And how you love us. So Lord, we give our fears to you now. Take them. Reassure us, Lord. Bring comfort and peace and provision into our lives as you always so faithfully do. We love you and thank you for that reminder from your word, from your very lips, Lord. We thank you for that reminder this morning. And we pray all this in Jesus' strong name. And everybody at home said, amen, amen. We'll see you next week, if not sooner. We love you, Pathway.